The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another program, Afternoons with Mike, right here on the Shepherd Radio Network and with me in the studio. I'm so excited about this. Dr. Al and Susan Henson are here. They are with an organization that they founded called Compassionate Hope Foundation. Now, over 40 years, this couple have been serving those that are abandoned and persecuted and trafficked in Southeast Asia. And you might wonder, how can some just great people from Nashville get involved in something like that and do such a work? Well, that's what we're going to find out about today. Welcome to Al and welcome, Susan. And Mike, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks, Mike, for having us. Well, it's my joy to get to talk with you. You know, the Bible talks about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And that's what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. You're out there helping people. I mean, you're, uh, the scope of the ministry that God's given you, I'm sure, surprises you as well as it does anyone who hears about it or reads about it, right? Yeah, we've never, uh, when we were 20... 21, 22, we would have never dreamed of such a uh, a life and a mission and a ministry. But if you walk with God and just follow him step by step, he will lead you and pass you, no not, yeah. <laughs> make crooked paths straight. Uh, he's just, it's, been, it's a wonderful life, yeah. a wonderful marriage, a wonderful family, wonderful mission in God's kingdom. Well, let's talk about you guys before we get to even uh, discussing compassion, compassionate hope. Uh, how did you guys meet? How did where, What part of the country did you grow up in? We both grew up in uh, south of Nashville in a little actual area called Triune Antioch, just uh, five or six, seven, eight miles uh, east of Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah. We met uh, when she was nine and I was 12. Went to the church together, school together, and then we started expressing an interest in each other when she was 14 and I was 16. And actually at that time, we committed our lives to each other and were married four and a half years later. And this year, 2023, we will celebrate 50 years of marriage. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Oh, that's <laughs> marvelous. So really, truly, uh, it's you guys have really known each other for most of your entire lives. Absolutely. Then. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize that when I said I do, that meant traveling all over the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that is the story of a lot of people. I would say, you know, they thought, no, I, I feel a little trick. Some people say, God, God did a number on me there. And he kind of surprised us with what he did. But that's, that's a wonderful surprise mm-hmm. to see what uh, the Lord has done. And, you know, you, you right there in Nashville, were you ever involved in the, the Nashville scene of music or anything like that? Not personally. Uh, I love to sing, but uh, I'm that joyful noise unto the Lord myself. (laughs) But I have been involved. uh, I mentored, uh, had a significant emphasis in uh, Steve Curtis Chapman's life. Oh, wow. He was a part of our ministry. Susan and I remember when they first came to Nashville, taking groceries to their door to help them to get started. And now Steve Curtis has been so uh, well used of God and famous over the last decades. Another uh, a Christian artist that we were greatly involved with was Steve Green. Both of those two 
uh, we uh, I served on their boards for a number of years. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Now, I just have to, a quick story about that that will bless you guys. Stephen Curtis has been my favorite artist for mm-hmm. years. And yet, with all the interviews that I did back in the day when I was first in Orlando, I had never been privileged to meet him. Mm-hmm. And yet I loved his music. I, I just felt like he was the real deal. He, he was and he is. And still is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to 2017, the end of 2017, um, I had the opportunity to not only bring him into our area, but first to meet him at a big concert in Jacksonville. So mm-hmm. I was invited to go backstage and finally after all these years of following and admiring this guy got to meet him and Cindy and I stood and talked with him for a while backstage and then we had him in uh, our uh, our church in Gainesville in 2018. So. Yeah this new book that we've just written Breaking Invisible Chains. Yes. Uh, we're very encouraged. Steve Curtis gave us one of the recommendations. Oh, endorsement. that's endorsement. wonderful. Uh, yeah. So you can read yeah. his endorsement in the book there. Yeah. Well, it's also, you, you have another well-known name for this area, especially for our station up in Gainesville, Tim Tebow. Yes. Uh, yes. Now, we're we're you, very honored to be partners uh, with Tim Tebow and his beautiful wife, Demi, and uh, the whole uh, Tebow family. It's just been a beautiful partnership in what we're doing, especially in the Philippines. And, and I would say, Mike, it's not a just a small partnership. Uh, this, there's a deep relationship there. Yeah. And specifically in the Philippines and our homes of hope and villages of hope there, we're involved exclusively in rescuing and receiving them into our homes of hope as family. Uh, these, these precious uh, children, uh, from the OSEC atrocity, which stands for OSEC is Online Sexually Exploited Children. Mm-hmm. And so we have villages and homes of hope there. And Tim and Demi are such a vital, essential, necessary part of that ministry in the Philippines. And they well, actually were just at our village just uh, um, two days ago, and then they'll be back again next week. You know, I know he has a real heart for that area yes. because his parents did missionary work there. Right. Yes. And I guess he spent a lot of time there as well. Yes, yes. And we became aware to, uh, three years ago that he, his heart and passion, he and Demi's heart, had turned a lot toward the human trafficking issue, which is worldwide. It is the second uh, largest growing uh, illegal activity in the world. And drugs is first. And there is some indication that this may pass the drug uh, illegalness and um, well, of course, both of those things are somewhat tied together yes, as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, yes. Yeah. And so Tim and Demi, God burdened their hearts for this, and specifically, as you said, the Philippines. And so it was just a natural, with our hearts loving God the way both of us do, and our our callings and mission hearts. He, uh, uh, God, joined us together pretty quickly. Mm. Now you grew up. We've heard the story. You grew up kind of together expressed interest when what you said you were 14 or was it you I was 14 you were 14 you were just turned 17 and he asked me to marry him 13 days after we first started dating on the back row of church while church was going on (laughs) (laughs) so he was really paying attention oh my goodness (laughs) she said she said yes very quickly and I thought what have I done (laughs) (laughs) and then I looked at her and I said now I mean in four and a half or five years yeah right now right not right at this moment (laughs) and she said okay (laughs) And God worked it all out, you know. Oh, my goodness. That is such a beautiful story and something that I know your family, your your whole family enjoys hearing about, Mm, I'm sure. Yes, yes. 
That's they did. great. Now, you guys were, again, from Nashville. How did you come to know the Lord from there? What, what, what happened in your life? Um, I was raised under a godly mother, so I received Christ in an unusual way at the age five and a half. Uh, preached my first message, Mike, at nine, and uh, had read through the Bible by probably five times by the time I was nine years old. I am a I am a professional understander of religion versus Christianity. Okay, because from nine to twenty one, I went to war with God because I knew what God wanted me to do, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. But so what I did is I began to serve God as actively as I could in the church, leadership, all of those things. And finally, I've come to understand God did not want my works. Mm. He wanted my heart. That's right. And so at 21, with a real deep understanding, I I literally didn't say, Lord, I give you my life. The words I actually used was, God, I want Al Henson to die to himself. And I want to take up the cross, and I want to live my life in every way that follows you in the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's a God moment right yeah, there. Yeah, always holy, yeah. yeah. Many tears and weeping for hours before the Lord in humility mm-hmm. in brokenness. I actually thought, Mike, and listeners may can relate to this, I thought to follow him, <clears throat> I had to give up everything. And I realized I literally gave up nothing. And I gained everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In light of what we have received, how true that is. Yes. We feel, and there is a uh, a giving to the Lord of everything that is in us. That's for sure. But boy, uh, those that doesn't compare, does it? Mm-hmm. No, does not compare. But how, we have this treasure, right? Earthen vessels. Yes, yeah, we do. Vessels of clay. Yes. Now, what did you think, Susan, turning to you for a moment? How did you come to know the Lord? Well, my family had really um, stepped away from the Lord during that time and were not in church um, in during my teen years. And uh, I did go to a Bible camp, and really God began to speak to my heart, and I walked an aisle and play, uh, cried crocodile tears, but mm-hmm. really had not surrendered my heart to the Lord, although I thought I had. And it wasn't until we were um, at Liberty in seminary and um, a ministry came in called Life Action and they began to share um, just the real true um, heart of brokenness and surrender and what that really meant. And it was during that time. And here I was going to be a pastor's wife and really was not, had not given my heart to the Lord. Oh, wow. And uh, so it was during that time that I really got honest with the, before the Lord and just really surrendered my heart then. And uh, it's been a beautiful walk. It's, um, and God has taken me deeper along the way. Yeah. And um, we had a child, our third child, that was born with multiple inward birth defects, and it took 24-7 taking care of him. He was born with what's called the Vox syndrome and each letter represents a different birth defect and i think even during that process of just being desperate before the lord that god even took me further into that place of surrender of just saying lord you're enough no matter what Mm -hmm. Um, so i think that there was there's was that deeper walk you know along the way and god continues Mm -hmm. to do that you know that's part of god's sanctification process of taking us deeper and deeper with him and even as we walk with the children of hope and the persecuted believers that we serve 
um, we're learning more and more each day of what it means to live a broken, surrendered life before the Lord. We know the whole world is broken. I mean, we're all broken in mm. that sense. But uh, the the ministry that you're doing is reaching out to, like you said, a, an ever-growing, ever-expanding uh, impact on not only America, but across the world. And this is very serious, what's going on. We do a lot of programming around having guests on who are involved in this this trafficking industry. Mm-hmm. It's It's harsh for me to call it that. Mm-hmm. But it is an industry. Yeah. From them, from their standpoint, they're a business. Yes, mm-hmm. illegal, immoral, nevertheless, still a business, I, and they treat people like like they're just inventory. Yeah, yes. I, I like the word uh, exploitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hard word and a grievous word, but in reality, the greed of humanity, uh, the lust of humanity, the ambition of humanity are literally taking these children as objects and mm-hmm. using them to fulfill those inner evil, uh, carnal passions uh, of their of their souls. With no regard to what it does to these kids? It, it seemingly so, yes. Yeah, and, and in the Philippines, for example, Mike, uh, where we are part of the, the rescuing these OSEC, 70% of those that are exploiting them are family members or parents. Isn't that something? And 70% of those being exploited are 12 years or younger. Wow. So at that age, they're not only sold out by their parents to, to wicked practices, but they're engulfed in all of the things that happen to them, the guilt, the shame, and, and just the feeling of locked in and hopelessness. Yes. And that's why I love your name, the compassionate hope that that you give them. Yeah, and the beauty of this there's a beautiful side of this, though, and that is one to see uh, this priceless treasure that God has created in His image, mm-hmm. and then to to see them in all of this bondage and slavery and pain and woundedness and brokenness. Mike, we've looked into the eyes of children, and you wondered if they even had a soul. They just looked hollow, oh, yeah. and empty, and hopeless. And then to see the power of the love of God. And the power of the gospel, which is the gospel literally brings to us the very life of God, mm-hmm. the healing of God, the eternity of God's life, the beauty of God's life. And to watch these children then find healing mm-hmm. and hope and freedom, and especially hope, beginning to hope that they are valuable, and then beginning to hope they have a life and can have a future. One of the unique things about us is that we're committed to that child, that when we receive them, we receive them as if they're the sons and daughters of God. We receive them as our own children under mm-hmm. his stewardship and our stewardship. And we're committed to them, not only through high school, but on through vocational school or through the universities, because we want to them to, to grow, to become the leader and disciple that God intended them to come and become self-sustaining. And they, I call them the blessed ones who can now go be a blessing many others. Oh, that's great. And give the hope that they themselves have received. Amen, yes. And that's just what it is. It's no wonder to see why people like Tim Tebow, who have really a a heart to do something that is genuine, real, I can't think of a person or an individual in this generation that has more exemplified on a a stage that I can't comprehend. And I would also, excuse me, I would also say his wife, Demi. Yes. (laughs) 
what a passionate yeah. sister in Christ and wife that he has. And, and you know, she's Miss Universe 2017, yeah. I think. Yes. Right. And uh, you would think that she would have this uh, sort of high thoughts mm-hmm. when you're with her. She's simple and loves God mm-hmm. and loves people. And I, she, I find watching her just wanting to hold the children or to be with the children uh, what a blessing and a gift uh, they are as a couple to the kingdom. Mm. Yes, she loves the kids, that's for sure. Uh, for sure. The the book you've written is called Breaking Invisible Change. It's true stories of persecution, trafficking, and God's transforming hope. Now, when you guys went about this book, it, would one of you be the primary writer or both of you just kind of being out different chapters? How did that work out? I, I lived and experienced the stories but she mostly wrote them and, and lived and experienced some of them. Mm-hmm. So, but it's really just our living life with these, um, those that are in the sto- in the book and it's our heart as we've served them. And it's God's transforming hope in their lives that we are able to, to share. Yes, we do share the brokenness and the pain and the hurt um, and even the plight, it helps bring awareness to what's really happening mm-hmm. there. But the main story is about the redeeming grace of God. And redeem means to buy back that which was lost or forsaken or that which was caused by our sin or by the sin of others. And then when you see God transform these, um, the horrific loss that these these children have faced, when you see that, sometimes you wonder, God, how are you going to heal this child? But when you see God step in, then you get lost in the wonder of who God is and what he has done in transforming their lives. Uh, keeping your eyes on that vision, and that's so, so rewarding when you can do that. And you guys have just exemplified that. My guests are authors, Dr. Al and Susan Henson, and uh, they are with Compassionate Hope. And uh, that website is CompassionateHope.org. Uh, they are published by Higher Life Publishing. And uh, this book is beautiful, and it tells a great story. We'll be back with our guests, Al and Susan, in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Here in the studio with me, Al and Susan Henson from Nashville, Tennessee. That's their home area. And they're down here in Central Florida doing some ministry work and meeting with some different people. And this book that we've been talking about that they have out is called... Breaking Invisible Change, it's true stories of persecution, trafficking, and God's transforming hope. And that's something that they do. Now, you mentioned knowing each other, you proposing 
when, when you were just kids and you got married when, I guess, what were you, 20, 21 when you got married? I think I was 20 and you were 18. I was 18. Wow. So you were really just childhood Babies. sweethearts yeah, and baby, yes. and you loved, the, you loved each other and you loved the Lord. And you mentioned in segment one that both of you went to Liberty and that's Liberty from the standpoint of Liberty in Virginia and with Jerry Falwell, right? Yes. Um, in, ni- in 1975 is when we uh, gave our lives fully to Christ and I'd graduated from college in engineering had a wonderful job out in the uh, marketplace, and God got a hold of our hearts, and we had heard about this new uh, school beginning in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, then it was called Lynchburg Baptist College, and they were going to start a seminary. And since I had my bachelor's degree, uh, we just sold everything, loaded up in a car, went to Lynchburg, Virginia by faith, and uh, there actually began a wonderful relationship with Dr. Jerry Falwell himself and got to travel with him. Even in the years past, once our, as our ministry began, often he would call me on a Sunday morning and we'd have prayer together uh, before he would Sunday. begin Sunday morning and I would. Uh, really an unusual servant and, and man of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God used him mightily, without a doubt. Were you a student there at the seminary as well, Susan? I was the secretary to the vice president of academic affairs. So yeah. I, I got my degree in, it's called put, put hubby through. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's PhD. Yeah. <laughs> a PhD. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. But both of you are working on the seminary. Both of you are working together. And what I love about what I'm hearing from you two God is instilling in both of you the the dream and vision, and really it it took God's preparation mm-hmm. in your hearts to to be able to launch out into doing what you're doing. I mean, just to you have an engineering degree for crying out loud. A lot of people would say, "Man, you got a great degree, have a great job, be comfortable, live the American dream," and God comes in and He messes up that nest, right? Well. It would appear as if he messed it up, but actually he <laughs> took that mess and, and made it something beautiful. That's right. But Susan and I love to talk about a two as one in ministry and mission and life. We don't. We try not to see ourselves as two separate individuals completely, but mm-hmm. rather that God has brought us together not only as brother and sister in Christ, but also brought us together as husband and wife, put his hand upon both of us and anointed both of us into the into the mission and kingdom work that God has given us. It's been a beautiful journey together with with Jesus, with each other. And you're approaching 50 years in marriage. Mm. That is marvelous. Susan, I know that you have a a great heart for these people with whom you minister and to whom you work uh, and and share the love of God to share what's on your heart about, about this. Maybe give us a story. Uh, Sure. Well, the first 40 years we were walking among the, persecuted believers and we were hearing their stories and actually Al had the opportunity to peer into a prison camp one time seeing one of his dear brothers that he had mentored in the past and it was during those times as you're hearing these and you're seeing it that um, he began to cry out God um, you know help my hurting church and that's what God really put upon our hearts is to go and tell the stories and be able to share and help those who are facing persecution. But while we were walking in this dark, dark culture, and it's take a long time to to explain all what that means, 
but what we saw is how dark the darkness really was. Mm-hmm. And you see the depravity of man and how um, the effects that it has primarily upon the children. And it was while we were walking in this dark culture that we realized um, in, as we were approaching our, you know, beginning to think about retirement years, what most people would think, we refired. Mm-hmm. And God just said uh, for us to uh, open up and begin to establish our 501c3 for to establish Compassionate Hope Foundation. And that is primarily to open up homes of hope for these children that have been abandoned, abused, trafficked. Um, and so we have 57 homes of hope. We're in three different countries, uh, the Philippines, Thailand, and an undisclosed country. Mm-hmm. And um, we've rescued, uh, right now we have over 850 children in those homes. And we have 50 that have graduated all the way through university and then 50 that are in university right now. But it is, um, you know, even though we have these beautiful children, every beautiful face has a story behind it. Mm-hmm. And it is in those, uh, as we've walked with them, that we wanted to be able to give them a future that they knew we knew that they would have never had had we not brought them into our very homes and lives. But we have incredible stories. Like we said, yes, there is the pain, but what keeps us going is that there is a God who redeems and he is the true rescuer of our souls. And he's the one that helps you in all of this. I think a lot of people, when they hear a a couple like you who are doing great works and it's a marvelous thing that happens, I think there's this natural thing that a lot of people feel like I could never do that. I Mm. I could never be used like that because they're only looking at the results, if you will, Mm. as to what you guys are doing or what you've built. But what they don't see is the power of God and his power working alongside and with you and through you to make all this happen. Yes. And I tell people all the time, they'll, they'll say, well, I can't go. I just would want to bring all the children back home with me. And I I tell them you are so right, but I want to challenge you to go risk love because what it will do, it'll open your arms wider. It'll open your heart to love more and it'll, it'll open your hands to what you think is more important to what is really important in right. life. And so I tell them, go risk love because all you have to do is just go and sit on the ground and your lap will be filled with, with love from the children. So I just say, go and just see and embrace the children because by you going, it helps them know that they have been seen by you. But most of all, they've been seen by God, that God sees them through you. Right. So we say go, but, um, You know, there's so many stories that in the book that we bring out uh, and are able to tell that as we were walking into this dark culture that we were not aware of that even um, these types of atrocities were taking place. There's one story in the book, um, and it's about a story about a young girl named Yang and her sister Ying. They were 14 and 15. And this story, just the plight of it just blew our minds away because we're thinking, how could this happen in our day? But they have this, um, Yang was, and Ying were chosen to be able to, um, to do their tribal dance at a festival. And then later that evening, uh, a man who had watched Yang dance came into and met with her, uh, Yang's father and said, I want to marry her. 
Well, he, he's in his mid-40s. He already has two wives. They had never met before. She's barely 15 years old, and he's he's saying, I want to marry. Well, the father's thinking, well, there's seven kids, and I need to feed all of them, and she's getting ready. Education stops at ninth grade, so they were trying to find a He would have to find mm-hmm. a job right, for right. her, and so he's thinking he's got a good job. He can take care of her. But what happened is that Yang was like, no, daddy, no, please, daddy, no, no, no. And the mother's giving him, you know, this look. And they finally said no. But here's what Yang did not understand, that it wasn't made known to her until that evening after he left. Because when he left, he said, he said, I will be back. And she was like, what do you mean by that? You know, after he left, what did he mean? And so in this culture, they have this acceptable practice that the man, even though he has been told no, that any time within the next three months, that man can uh, track her down like an animal and steal her away for seven days in hopes that he will be able to change her mind. And you know what's going to happen in that seven days. Oh, my goodness. Well, when he when he returns her, three things are going to happen. Either he's going to pay a dowry because she's already because she says yes, or if she gets pregnant, he she has to marry him, or thirdly, he will pay a fine because he's been with her. But either way, this young woman is no longer a virgin, and then t- for her to be able to get a dowry in the future is yeah. is hard but this is what's happening in the culture in our day these these young women in that region are being tracked down like animals so every time they walk out the door they're looking over their shoulder not am i going to get stolen but is it going to be today right that's just a horrible thought and realizing that the culture allows this yes yes and that it's not stopped i mean there's just Zero protection, I'm sure, for her, for Yang to feel that her own dad is not covering her and watching over. Yeah. Yes. And the beautiful part of that um, was that some leaders in our home heard of this and went and talked to the mom and dad and gave uh, a different hope, a different opportunity, a different option for their daughter. Mm-hmm. And so they took that option to release her to come into one of our homes of hope. Driving away, she started wailing. They said, what's wrong? You said this is what you want. And she said, oh, my sister, who's a year younger, he'll just come after her. So they turned the car around, a lot of discussion, back to the parents. So Yang came too. Oh, right. There's a lot of the story, but this was, what, seven or eight years ago, I think? Ying and Yang have now graduated from universities. With high honors. With high honors. And they got uh, exceptional places uh, in, in one serving in Christian service in, in a ministry and another uh, in, in, a, in a job position in the marketplace. Just beautiful mm-hmm. young women now. Love God. Amazing uh, story of God's redemption. Now, clearly, you guys are seeing kids and families in some of what would be the most difficult to take emotionally in your own hearts. How, how do you cope with that? How do you handle that? I was thinking as you was, you was mentioning that earlier, a, a verse of scripture came to my mind when Jesus says, all of you in Matthew, he says, those that are, are weary, uh, come unto me. Heavy laden. And heavy laden, come unto me and take up on you my yoke and learn of me. For my yoke is like light mm-hmm. and lowly. 
always wondered what he meant by that. And notice you're weary and worry, uh, weary and and worn by the things of the world, and people are listening in and this entanglement in the world and the lust for things and to do and to be. It can it can really weary the soul because there's an emptiness in it all. But when you follow Christ, you do take upon you His yoke, His purposes, and His mm-hmm. plans for your life and His kingdom purposes. And there are tears, but they are light in some ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, we weep and we cry, <clears throat> but there's a joy in weeping and crying with Jesus with uh, for others. Yeah, yeah. And the Bible says, if we go forth in tears. We will come again rejoicing. So it's the joy that's set before us that makes this burden and grieving and hurting. So people uh, that, that are listening, as Susan said, don't be afraid to go. You, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Here's what, here's what you don't understand. In all of the kingdom, not just over there, the greatest gift you bring to anyone's life is your presence. Mm-hmm that you're actually present with them and you see them and you value them and that you care about them. Not what you say, not even as important what you do, but that you're actually present mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. And while you're present with them, God will give you the words or God will give you the action of how to wash their feet and serve them. Yeah, yeah. I think of Moses who said, what would I say? What, what am I going to do? And mm-hmm. he just said, I'll fill your mouth. Mm-hmm. He's going to give us the words to say in that moment. But it is a matter of faith, isn't it, mm. to to do what you're doing. And I know that every day when you're over there and you, you feel the, the cultural oppression that mm-hmm. is in this yes. area, that's not easy. So you have to stay near the Lord in your own devotions. And, and that that way he keeps you strong. You, nev- you never cease walking by faith. Right. Uh, we're... I'm 70, and I won't say Susan is 39 plus, but uh, we're healthy. Uh, but even now, God is leading us in paths we know not. Yeah. And uh, so we go by faith, but our trust in him, uh, we're not afraid uh, to step out. We're not afraid of where he's leading us because everything that he's doing and everything that he, in the ways he's guiding us is filtering through the loving, wise hands of God for his glory and our good. Mm. But I also know that the real soldiers are the are the ones on the ground that are taking care of their our children day and night and that's our house parents and they are our heroes because they are dealing with the trauma. They're dealing with these children when they're first brought in and they don't know if that place is going to be safe for them because everything around them has been unsafe and has been abusive. And so when they're brought into the homes of hope, our our house parents are the real true heroes mm-hmm. because they are the boots on the ground taking care of these children day yeah. and night and loving them to Jesus. But it is in that place where they finally are able to be safe and then they're, they're able to have a good meals and have education, all these things that they didn't have before. Then that begins to open up their hearts to think, hey, Maybe this God that they're talking about will be my father, Mm -hmm. a father who will not abuse me, a father who will not leave me or forsake me. Mm. So that really is love is what opens up their hearts to really come to know so that they can be rescued from their sin and their shame and their pain. 
That's wonderful. Susan and Al Hinson, my guests, we're going to be back with them for one more segment. Uh, Before we go, I I have enough time uh, to ask this. You mentioned one of the countries that you uh, work in, uh, it remains non-disclosed. And that would be because of just the, I guess, the danger of that country in disclosing the area if it's picked up on the internet or whatever, right? Yes, Yes. this is a country of persecution. Yeah. Uh, For example... Uh, I have uh, 20 of my Timothys have been martyred. Mm. And six weeks ago, one of our brothers uh, was martyred, his wife and six children. Really, this was how uh, our mission work began 40 years ago. Well, let's pick up on that right after the break. Al and Susan Henson, I'll be back with them in a moment. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. One of the more difficult topics to talk about human trafficking, and yet I've got a couple in here who, they're doing the work, they're in the field, they're not only in one area, they're in three nations, of course, with, along with all they do here in the United States, and they're making a difference for these families, for these children, for the workers. Uh, Al, you were telling us a story about uh, some, uh, not only persecution that was going on, but one that became a martyr, and he had a family, right? Yes, uh, this brother had a wife and six children that were left behind when his blood was shed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a part of our mission is a vow that we've made uh, to these brothers that if, if for some reason, God forbid, but if you are martyred for Christ, we will take care of your wife and children. So the last three months, it's been beautiful working with the nationals, the national leadership, being able to send the funds over to make sure this wife and her children are taken care of. So we're the monthly support and two of the older children, we're just even now raising funds to try to buy the older son a, a motorcycle and buy the older daughter a sewing machine. And we got nationals that they are going to teach the son how to be, be a mechanic for a motorcycle. And we have a, uh, uh, a national sister who's going to teach the young lady how to to design and be a seamstress. And now we've, we've also helped the widow add an addition to her home. So she's opening up a store to sell vegetables, to sell goods. And now she'll be able to sell uh, dresses. And uh, the young man will be able to open up a motorcycle so that they themselves can become self-sustaining. Right. Self-sustaining. Yeah. I mean, it's the goal is yeah. to, when you go into an area, not just to go and visit and say, be warm, be fed and mm-hmm. leave, but to leave behind a sustaining ability with uh, either a place to live, people uh, to watch over them and to teach them more about Jesus, to disciple them. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you're doing. Susan, there's another story that's on your heart. Uh, Yes. Well, the part one of our book, um, Breaking Invisible Chains, does cover some amazing stories of persecution, and but it's really about their courageous faith. Uh, in the face of persecution. So that's part one of Breaking Invisible Chains. But part two 
is about God who sees and God who redeems. Um, but as we were talking earlier about the Tim Tebow Foundation and what was happening in the Philippines, um, I would love to be able to tell uh, Ellie's story. Oh, please. And um, Ellie's story, um, I, first of all, I want to say our son, Al Stephen, um, he is our director of the Philippines. He married a Filipino. And as they were walking into this journey um, in opening up the Homes of Hope, um, they had no idea all that God was going to bring into in place into their hands. And but they just love these beautiful children to the Lord. But one of the girls that they rescued, um, we we call her Ellie. Um, of course, we don't we're not able to say her real name. But um, Ellie was rescued um, at the age of 14. But her story really began at age nine when she was sent to her aunt's house and um, really to groom her is what was really happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, her aunt just woke her up one morning at at two o'clock in the morning and just said, Ellie, Ellie, wake up. Um, I have someone, uh, I have a friend and he wants to say hi to you and he wants you to do a show for, for him. Well, she's nine years old. She had no idea what was about to happen to her. And um, she was placed in front of a camera and told to do incredible, uh, horrible things. And as a result, she went, was told to go back to bed. And she said, I was sick, sick at my stomach, but I just, I didn't know what to do. And I just tried to, um, I realized at that moment, that night changed me. And mm-hmm. she said, the next day I became two-faced Ellie. And she said, I put on this a smile mask it said i'm okay ellie in order to go to school but she said then the very next night i had to put on a uh, a dark mask over my dark soul uh, and so she survived like that for a couple of months and then she she called her aunt her monster and then she was able to go back to her mother's house and she said finally i'm free but only to find out two nights later, her mother wakes her up in the middle of the night and no does way. the same thing. Oh, my goodness. And so uh, her mother becomes her monster. So from the age of 9 to 14, she was swapped back and forth. And when she was, um, it finally, is, she just got to the point where she just wanted to die. She said, I ultimately lost myself, and I let the darkness fill me, and I just wanted to die. And she had this poem running through her mind every night and i would love to be able to read her poem Mm -hmm, that she wrote we took this directly from her healing journal with her permission and but over and over again i saw in her healing journal that phrase two-faced ellie and she said i felt like a a two-faced robot with no soul and i was like uh it was like me folding my blanket each morning without thinking and setting it aside so her she was saying her soul was just hollow But this is her poem. It's called Rescue Me. Rescue me. Help me. Monsters are chasing. Can't you see? Monsters are whispering. Can't you hear? Monsters are shouting. You're nothing. Can't you feel my pain? Monsters are pushing. End it all. Just jump. Can't you hear all the whys I'm asking? Monsters are laughing. Ha, 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 ha. You're all alone in this darkness. Can someone please Mm. rescue me? Mm. And you hear this cry of her heart. But thank God that we were able to to go in and rescue not only Ellie, but our two sisters and her three cousins. 
And the youngest child ever rescued from OSEC was Ellie's 25-day-old cousin. And so all these children are now safe in the homes of hope. And when Ellie, love was poured into Ellie, she says on that glorious day, God came in and rescued me from my, my sin, my shame, and my pain and gave me a brand new life and a brand new name. Right. And that is Ellie's story of redemption. Now she's rising up to be a voice for the voiceless, those that were trapped in this um, horrible dark web of OSEC. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing is that most people don't realize is that um, when these children are putting from these webcams or phones or mm-hmm. whatever it is, they're not only told what to do, but who to do it what with whatever, with whomever in the home, no matter whether it's young or old. So these children, when they come in, are so traumatized. But the beauty of this is, is that uh, Demi, Tebow, and Tim got a hold of Ellie's story as they became partners last year, and they read her story, and Demi Tebow became Ellie's voice, oh, and it wow. went across the world, and so now they're in partnering with us, and um, they'd love to be able to come, and there's a video. We can share the link with you if you'd like, and mm-hmm. Mike can share it, and people can come back and actually see the video of Ellie going to the Village of Hope in the Philippines and Demi, meeting Demi, Ellie. I mean, Demi, Demi going to the... To the Philippines and meeting Ellie, and it is glorious. She puts a little crown on her head and uh, a sash across her of saying, "You're beautiful, you're loved, and you're strong." So these are the type of stories that we were able to share. That God is a God who redeems, and not only is He re- able to redeem, but we're able to see God come in and help them to be able to forgive the unforgivable. I love it. You guys are doing a marvelous work, and you mentioned you're seventy. Yes. Yeah, and so you're not slowing down at all, right? Absolutely. I want uh, my prayer is God let me live till I die. No thought <laughs> of retirement. And um, we're in excellent health. Yeah. And uh, but at the same time, with compassion and hope, because it is an enormous expanding uh, kingdom work, uh, we're so encouraged. God is raising up a next generation of leadership team to carry this mission out into the future, and we just rejoice in God's provision of you know. Uh, leadership is, is so critical mm-hmm. uh, to any kingdom work, and God is raising up those to come after us, to have this burden and this heart to uh, carry the mission forward even beyond our lifetime. But we still hope we got maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years left. There you go. Right yeah, <laughs> who knows? That's right. You know, A question before we run out of time here on today's program. You guys reach so much in these countries. Here in America, our churches are often filled with people that really are still unaware of just how desperate these conditions are, not only in these countries in which you work, but right here in the U.S. This same problem is going on in America as well. What do you guys feel that the average church person who's really a sincere follower, but yet does not know, what do they need to know? How can they find out information? Well, Jesus says, you know, look into the fields that are white and to harvest because it's there that we gain the heart of God and the passion. You know, one of the things they can do is get this book and just read some of the stories. You can just Google online and find out there's tons of information about this. And as you're doing so, let God speak to your heart. We got a text in that somebody that was a wife said, I'm reading the book to my husband, one of the stories, which I think is chapter six of the book. 
and she said, the husband responded as their hearts, they said they were touched to the core. The husband responded, and this is what he said, this story should be told in every church in America. Mm. Mm. Yes, and uh, you can get the book at compassionatehope.org slash breaking chains, and that'll take you right to our website, and you can watch the promo video, and also I think Demi's video is on there as well, but it's breaking, it's compassionatehope.org forward slash breaking chains. Oh, that's wonderful. And we want a part of even wanting to do a beat in this uh, a podcast and and talk show with you, Mike, and thank you for letting us. Yes, come. indeed. We want to stir people's faith, first of all, to believe that God, you know, so many of us, all of us at some level, have inner chains and slavery in our hearts. And all of us need to be rescued. Mm-hmm. All of us need to be redeemed. All of us need to be set free. So we want to encourage people's faith that God loves them and that they could trust him to set them free and give them healing. Secondly, we're asking God to stir them up and, uh, and, and impassion them to go forth and carry this beautiful gospel uh, to the ends of the earth. And if they would like to be a part with us, certainly we're looking for laborers because the field yeah. God has called us to yeah. is white unto harvest. A lot of people can't come themselves, but they can help you as you're yes. doing yes. this. Oh, and we love to be able to tell the stories and be able to uh, share in small groups or um, in church service, missions, events, whatever, ladies' events. I do, I, I'm actually doing um, a ladies' events called Breaking Invisible Chains. Um, because like Al said, we all have invisible chains in our heart. And these stories really do, um, they are the stories of the pain and the loss of what these children have faced, even the persecution. But it also gives you courageous faith to rise up and believe God that if God can do it in their lives, he can do it in yours. Mm. And that's the faith message we all need to believe. Amen. And it's uh, really awesome to see how that you guys were given the challenge. I love the way God has directed your paths. Mm, he's amen. done it, and he's mm. continuing to do it. Yeah, so my prayer for everyone listening is that God would revelate to you his love, how much he actually loves you, and that that love would move you to trust him more deeply. Mm-hmm. and to not only for your own personal need, but trust him more deeply for your life to fulfill his eternal purposes and plans that you might enjoy the fruitfulness and knowing that you have been a part of God's redemptive plan and mm-hmm. the fruitfulness of knowing that you have pleased the Lord and that your life has been significant and made a difference in the lives of others. That's marvelous. I I agree with that prayer. And God, do it, please, yes. and bless this couple as they go. And we thank the, you guys for being here today. Al and Susan Henson, that website one more time, Susan. Yes, it is compassionatehope.org. If they want to just go to their website and check it out, if they want to go to the book, it's compassionatehope.org forward slash breaking chains. Mm. Well, the next time you're in Florida, in Orlando, please come and see me again. Uh, we'd, we'd love, love to. to. And yes. This is just wonderful. A great couple doing a great work. And you can find out more about them at that web address. And friends, thank you for being with us as well. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd. <music>